So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for being here for another episode. I hope you're having an amazing day. I couldn't be more thrilled to have one of my amazingly brave, beautiful, and daring clients um, on the show to share her story today. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. Um, I always start off our interviews with asking, what is the most magical thing currently about your life right now? Wow. Um, I, I being present in the moment, um, not choosing to not escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us why that, why that's magical. Um, well, I'm, uh, so, I. Uh, finding comfort in the chaos. Um, I, I've been working on with you, uh, accepting the choice, um, of allowing emotions, allowing, um, the moment and what's happening so that I can stay curious. Um, right now I'm in the corner of my son's room. I have contracted with a cleaning company, which is a blessing that we can do that. But what happens and what happens is um, 
the more you want clean, the more you need to pick up. And so just um, (laughs) (laughs) um, looking at the um, play sword, the play shield, the probably 60 stuffed animals piled and just um, letting it be. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. I, I had that experience too, because I had had someone come to the house and I was like, wait, I'm cleaning before the cleaner comes. Yes. It's a thing. It's a thing. And I remember I had a minister when I was a little girl from farm and she said she, in part of her, um, I don't know if they call it mass, but the sermon was, um, I remember my mother cleaning before the cleaner came and I had all these thoughts in my head. Um, uh, it was totally missed on me because her message, I think, because I thought you're, you had a cleaner, like we can't relate, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but now the cleaning before the cleaner comes and the, the, um, we talked, we've talked about judgment and, and, um, intention and why we're doing things sort of, and just, I've, four times this morning, maybe more have thought about how my mind has run away from itself and bringing it back and looking at the emotions and the thoughts and the bridge thoughts. So, um, (laughs) there's miracles in everything. So, yeah, Yeah, I know it's, it's amazing. That's such great insight. And it's so encouraging to hear, you talking about, you know, actively using it in these, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of seemingly mundane things, right? Yeah, yeah, it really does um, make the mundane magic when Mm -hmm. you can just be like, this is, this is as good as it gets, right? I mean, we're in it, what is going to make this experience better? Like the laundry doesn't stop, you know? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I've thought of ways. If I could just figure out a way. Yeah. You just have to like jump in the pile of laundry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for that. I think a lot of people will, will resonate with that for sure. Um, So let's just start down the path of alcohol. And um, I'm not even sure if I really know this information, but when and why do you think you first started drinking? Uh, um, So I am going to talk about um, the first time I started drinking. Um, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, my friend and my friends, my family was gone. I think I was probably 12 and my parents really liked Southern comfort. I don't know if you're familiar with that syrupy, I guess it's a bourbon or a whiskey, but anyway, I got into it and started drinking and early on I had this, I've already mentioned this sermon, but this sort of um, kind of deep religiosity for a kid, I think. Um, And I just remember taking slugs on the Southern comfort. And then we had this Bible in the, um, the landing sort of on the stairway going up to uh, my sister in my bedroom. And, I think we also had a picture on the wall of Jesus <laughs> and I was pretty, pretty drunk for, um, any age. And I remember <laughs> just like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? 
And um, he was just kind of stoically looking at me. And um, so that was my first experience, just sort of a heightened guilt and sense of um, just alone, but some relief. Um, I don't know if I would call it relief. It was just more of a different, interesting sensation. Um, so that would be my first experience. I, I don't know if I, I didn't party in, um, high school. We lived, uh, pretty far out, um, on a farm. And, uh, I, I remember having the thought, which may have been excuse that if I make a lot of friends and certainly if I got a boyfriend that I would get stuck there, but I think that was probably just an excuse for being it. Um, a loner. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do a lot of the parties or socializing once people, you know, my age started drinking. Um, so it was in college that I really had a lot of access and started drinking more. So you really just had that one experience for the most part. And then, yeah, I don't think I really sought it out again. I think that the idea of sinning kind of mm. plus it you know I didn't have the peer pressure um until later yeah yeah talk to me I first of all that scene that you created should be like a painting <laughs> I know right <laughs> um but yeah and I'm curious you know that it's really fascinating that they that there is like that, how that guilt can transfer to, you know, this relationship and how it's kind of been instilled in, mm -hmm. in I mean, almost even culturally into alcohol, right? Like that, that it's required, right. To feel bad about mm. it. Yeah. Way. yeah. Um, which is obviously another thing that we don't agree upon you know like in right. general like the, that's not a requirement um so tell me a little bit then about yeah college years and and beyond right so when I went to college um I <clears throat> had some anxiety issues and I think I always put a lot of weight on feeling uh, different than other people. And that in and of itself was often the reason that I felt different or was. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, just getting over that, still working on that. Um, but uh, so when I started drinking, um, I would feel a lot of relief and sort of my like interest in drama and theater would come out. And then uh, there was still this role of like, well, then it got to be like, I'm the life of the party and um, just drinking to excess because I was chasing that feeling mm -hmm. of relief. So um, wanting to be seen and validated and feeling like I fit in. And it was like kind of this feast or famine thing. Um, I needed a drink fast to, to fix this feeling when I was out with people of anxiety and where do I fit in and let's make this okay. So, I mean, I went to college actually, I, well, 
I went to college um, right out of high school, like most people. I'd actually gone to college when I was 16 um, full time, but I still lived at home. So I, I'm not sure if I drank. I may have drank like once or twice with the same effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I would get <laughs> get really great feedback. Um, <laughs> like you were great at that time. So like most people, um, so it was a social lubricant and it gave me the feeling that I fit in. I can think back to um, a lot of times where I did not fit in or I mean, who fits in, but um, really over the top and almost uh, like ruined people's parties or experiences. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and did you, do you feel like you knew you were conscious of that at the time that this is like, I'm doing this so I can be here and be part of this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine too, um, that, you know, kind of starting, you know, being in that different environment too, at a young age, even, even though you weren't really drinking when you were 16, I mean, you had to kind of figure out a different way to be quickly. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you were using alcohol, social lubricant, it was obviously having some negative consequences at a point. Um, and then, you know, go into post-college years. Yeah. So, um, let's see, I took a trip to Trinidad right after college, which, um, didn't slow down the drinking, probably sped it up. And I know that I was using alcohol, um, and that then like marijuana to, um, deal with the lack of boundaries and, um, relationships that didn't serve me, um, continued drinking after college quite a bit. Um, my family would say, you know, you drink too much, slow down. I remember my parents, I went out with them and my, my thought was like, I'm going to show them how great I am now. You know, uh, we went to, a a local bar back home. Um, and so it was some people I knew from high school and I ordered a drink that the bartender didn't know how to make. Cause I was so, uh, of the world now. And, <laughs> and my family, my parents watched me drink and they started giving me advice. Like, uh, you should drink more slowly and all these ways of handling the alcohol. And my thing was like, no, I'm so fantastic. This is part of how fun I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that carried on um, through acquiring, a lot of the patterns are like acquiring relationships really fast and um, drinking to be wild and actually like accelerate what I thought was the, just getting to the part where um, you're in a serious relationship, i.e. sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, that really continued um, until I until I was about twenty six and went back to school um, for nursing and just really you know it was actually it was at a 
a hospital and they had this wing for women with eating disorders. And um, I started thinking about the idea of um, compulsion and hiding behavior. And so I got involved in a 12-step program for eating. I'd heard of and been recommended by my sister to go to AA and I wasn't attracted to that, um, but I didn't want to be fat. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked into 12 steps for eating. The one that I um, went to accidentally was a really hardcore OA program um, that also didn't allow drinking. And so that's when I first stopped drinking. Um, and really this idea of intoxication and compulsion. And while it didn't, while it didn't help me question my feeling of uh, being divorced from spirit, um, while it was my first time um, trying to handle life without alcohol. Mm. I love that idea of divorced from spirit is, um, kind of sounds like the, the answer to maybe the compulsion and the intoxication. Yeah. 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 I think in talking with you now, um, I'm realizing a lot of it, there are these reasons why I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, there's this, I need to deal with this or, as I was clear, I have to have somebody who will not approve, or this is why I'm not okay. There's always something. There's always something that's not, that I'm not doing well enough, or I'm not well enough to have this blessing. Mm. You know, my husband's like, I just want you to be happy the house is fine. Like, I feel like I give you, we have all these things, but you're never happy. And I don't, it always surprises me because I'm like, isn't it obvious? I don't deserve this. Like I'm unhappy because I'm trying so hard to deserve this and I never do. Right. Well, what do you think? What do you think about the answer to that? Well, my knee jerk reaction is to try to make like dark humor out of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like, isn't that funny? Um, what do I think about it? It's a huge area for curiosity and to be brave. And it takes a lot of bravery to not even just say like, I deserve this because no one's trying to take anything from me. Right. You know, right. (laughs) It's me. It's me. Like, am I okay with this? Like, that's actually, there's a lot of like 10, that's a tender spot is like, uh, do I want to accept myself? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, earlier you had said, even going into when you were going into college about that, just the thought that you were different was really what made you different. Right. (laughs) And so it kind of sounds like, and I think this is very common for like all of us, right? It's like, if what, you know, I think we we're in this culture, like this quote unquote healing culture where Mm -hmm. it's like, I I can't, you know, I can't be okay. I can't accept these blessings until I'm healed. Right. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that 
you know, a miracle is just a shift of perspective. So in this moment, you can work on understanding some of those things about yourself, but in this moment, you know, nothing has gone wrong and, and you're amazing, you know? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's true. So I think that that's a really amazing point. Um, Can I ask you, you know, it's, it sounds like a a lot of what, for just from what I'm getting from your story is that a lot of the kind of troubles were coming really more internal was alcohol affecting, how was alcohol affecting your external life? I mean, you did talk about relationships and kind of fast forwarding those and maybe interpersonal stuff, but was there how, what else was going on? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, just, I mean, a lot of it was developing as a person, um, and taking time to figure out or allowing for my needs to be met and being honest with what I wanted. So, um, I think so in terms of how it was affecting my, I think sometimes things need to happen more slowly. And uh, so that would be um, like making decisions about entering into a relationship or um, figuring out what feels right is hard when I was using alcohol. Um, You know, I, a lot of things that I would do that really don't seem like me were because of a drug or alcohol, some, something I, more and more, I've been getting this feeling like there's, <laughs> uh, like an overlay sort mm-hmm. of like, a um, like there, and when I look back at my life and, and, and freedom from alcohol has helped this review. And also I think some kind of level up, um, but there are some times where I just feel like um, I barely remember making that decision or I wasn't, that wasn't me. So Mm -hmm. um, specifically, you know, things like uh, I'm lucky I never got into an accident, Mm -hmm. you know, with the car. Um, you know, risky behavior sexually. Um, I think academically probably could have made some different choices. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, the compulsion, you know, that you was in, and let me, I just want to make sure I'm correct about this. When you went into that 12 step program for, um, for food or for, oh, is it overeating? Yeah. It, it, they, um, people with all kinds of eating disorders, um, go into it. So yeah, but mine was overeating. Yeah. So, and so it kind of, it, it was something that was showing up in other areas of your life. And so when you talk about this concept of being divorced from spirit, what do you see that as now in terms of it resulting in compulsion? Um, let's see. I think that, uh, when I think I'm divorced from spirit, there's this idea that, um, 
like I am this compartment and spirit is this other compartment. And if I decide like, oh, I'm not in a good place right now, then a lot of what I do is, um, oh, I'm going to be better when this happens or yeah, today I am not acceptable. So it's sort of, um, it's just a, it's a way of thinking about things in terms of like, um, uh, separateness. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So like some, like in some way that it's not available to you in this moment. Right. Also there's a willfulness and, um, you know, like when a little kid does something and (laughs) you see that, (laughs) that, uh, you see that point where your, your child starts to, they look at you out of the corner of their eye or they look right at you and do something Mm -hmm. that they think is naughty. And it's, (laughs) it's kind of like that. And then it becomes this like charged thing. Like we're having a problem right now. Right. (laughs) Sometimes it's like that. Right. Yeah. And so when you, and then you're engaging in this, this behavior, you know, that ultimately isn't solving the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you kind of talked about just finding relief. Do you think that, tell me a little bit more about that, like the, and, and, and it was that relief or I guess the buildup of, of tension, was that similar through, you know, and into adulthood and in, you know, outside of college when you got into the work field and stuff, was it the same, same feeling that you were trying to relieve? Yeah. 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 I think definitely. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, I think, you know, alcohol, it's powerful. It's a drug. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's a lot of psychology in it. Um, do I think someone could have like switched drinks and given me something that was non-alcoholic and it would have had the same effect? Maybe like 50%, you know, is like the idea of it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as we know, the, the, the thoughts about it, right. The mindset Mm -hmm. creates so many, so much of the emotional charge, um, you know, about the subject, about food, about the, about the alcohol, but also that, and that's why we kind of work from the outside in, you know, it's like, well, what, what, what are the problems you're actually trying to solve with this or that that's creating that tension that needs to be relieved? And are they even problems? Right. Right? So, so it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like, we don't just quit drinking and then feel all this tension still. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, what was happening in your life that, that, had you starting to kind of think about this and question it and think that this isn't the road that you want to keep traveling? Right. Um, I think, you know, for all the challenges that, um, the 12 steps 
gave me and in some ways um, really underscored the uh, division between myself and, and gave me a little bit more shame. Um, I think that and just growing up without parents who drank a lot. Anyway, I had this memory of what it what felt good and what was home and where my soul what it felt like to be what home feels like and um I mean that in a way that um uh isn't necessarily a place but is what you feel like when you're a kid and and you feel whole Mm -hmm. um so after I had my kids, um, I'd had the second one and, um, was still drinking. I mean, when I was then drinking to deal with transitions, I drank when I got home, the, um, kids would, uh, I would respond, um, with, um, I would get stressed out from little challenges and get a beer out of the fridge and come in. I would, you know, we had childcare at home and I would grab a beer before it, it started getting more. And it was sort of like a funny thing at first, like I'm already drinking. And, um, and, uh, one night, um, I hit the tequila uh, around dinner. And that's all I remember. I had made dinner. I think it was spaghetti. And, um, I don't remember anything after that. I don't even know if I could remember serving dinner, but I went through with my favorite thing, which was reading to my oldest before he went to sleep and, um, didn't remember anything, uh, the next day about how I got him to bed or how I got myself back to bed and had tremendous guilt and very physical, like hungover the next day and was driving the same child to school. And he was telling me things that I had said the night before, nothing terrible to him. It was at any moment through this and what I've said, um, could have functioned as a, like, this is not where I want to be. Um, but that was a huge, um, marker of like, yeah, this is not, this is not working because I'm a mom and you go ahead and wash your face. And it just, it happens all day long and it's who I want to be. So, it was always going to be something I dealt with. And that thank God was, um, when I reached out and, and did a search, cause I love podcasts and, um, I found you, I knew that I wanted like a coach. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I had, I already experienced a sponsor type approach. Um, but I wanted to see what else was out there and preferably someone who, um, could be on. Um, and when I found your podcast, not to get, um, 
like, I'm not trying to sell you to anybody, but I will, tell it. I Go will for say, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I was just, I knew I wanted to try this and I started binging <laughs> your podcasts and, um, the way I was able to, to dip my toe in and I found a lot of, of hope and positivity and, um, I was feeling so anxious and um, I I felt like I was listening from this like darkness and shame because that's where I go. And, um, and so it was interesting that though I felt really down, something about your approach didn't feel like it was not accessible. Like I could start where I was. So that's, you know, I think it was a mix of things like you talked about miracles and just it being the next step. So, yeah. Oh, I love that, that I could start where I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause where else can you start from? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I have to go do all this work before I can start, you know? So yeah, and I think the fact that it was podcast, so I could start listening and, um, yes, doing the deciding to sign up with the coaching, but you had, so it was something I could start doing that was, um, you know, listening and thinking about it. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like, um, checking myself in somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so there was that there is, you know, it sounds like there was hope, right. That there mm-hmm. was a, an alternate path. Um, yeah. Like you can start the process without having to really like make the commitment in that way. A hundred percent, you know, you can. Yeah. And I think that that, that shift of, of bringing it to the forefront of your mind from a different perspective, right. Cause it's like, if you're drinking all the time, it's going to be in the forefront of your mind, but not with the curiosity, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The curiosity was really powerful. Yeah. Tell me a little, tell me a little bit about what, what has been different for, for you between, you know, having a sponsor in that way and then doing one-on-one coaching. Um, having a sponsor, the difference, um, I, I feel like, um, I've grown a lot. I've grown up more, um, with the coaching, um, and it might just be part of my makeup, but what I went to a lot with the, sponsor relationship was, um, kind of like a confessional and, and I know that this probably wasn't the spirit of their program, but, um, and, uh, punishment. And, um, so a lot of it is choice now, whereas before, um, it, it, I felt helpless And, um, I think what I didn't get then and what, what working with it, with you has helped me more is, um, seeing things in 
you know, with the curiosity and the growth mindset and really looking at how I choose my path, um, I feel like there's a better way to, to, um, define it. Um, like all the tools that you lay out in your workbook and on your, on your podcast are really about seeing for me about the story that I have in my head and looking at that there's so much more available to me. Um, really looking at a new way of going through the world. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm working with a sponsor. A lot of it for me was, um, it wasn't about when, when I had a sponsor, um, it wasn't, we were kind of confined by the literature and the rules of the program and a lot of that to me was born of this thought that um, you're uh, an, addict, an addict, an alcoholic, you have this disease mm -hmm. um, and um, you need to accept that. And um, I don't know, like your growth is not, uh, is not what sets you free. It's your acceptance that you have a disease. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty big distinction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been thinking about this, uh, um, concept of, you know, the creating laws or rules about, change or spirituality or growth, you know, and, and saying there's, this is the way, this is the only one yeah. way to your highest self. And in that alone, and this is, comes from stuff that I've read philosophy that I've read too, but like in that alone, you've lost the point of, yeah. 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 <laughs> of sovereignty. Right. It's like, right. In that, there's literally no sovereignty. Right. And I think, you know, um, I'd like to open this up a little bit more and, you know, there's to the way my brain and my spirit was aligned and my hangups, I was going to give my power away to mm -hmm. a sponsor. So I was really going to, I really played into the, um, bringing my, um, victimhood and my, um, weakness forward and asking for help with that and the dependency Mm -hmm. Um, so the switch to a coach and this different approach has really, um, constantly made me question and pull it back to what I have power over. And I just think it's beautiful to see how, uh, over time tools available to people to, um, actualize and get healthy. You know, it's not like, Oh, that doesn't work. 12 steps suck. It's a mm -hmm. trap. Maybe in some ways, um, you know, I just think, um, the more, the more freedom we have and the more tools available, the better for me. Um, I needed to heal certain parts of myself that I couldn't, or I'm just benefiting from, I'm, we're just lucky to have these different avenues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, because we're all at different places at different times and 
I always say, you know, it's just like whatever, however the door opens, it doesn't matter because it's a door to change and growth, you know, in some way. So you were, you saw this as an opportunity when you signed up for that program, you know, the, and, and, and it got you to, to thinking, you know, I want to, even in that way, you're still thinking, I want to change something, you know, whether it was from the mindset of I'm broken or I'm powerful, it doesn't really matter. My philosophy is, whatever works is awesome. And there are alternatives. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted you to talk about that a little bit because I do think people have either come from that and it hasn't really worked or they're turned off from that model. Um, and what the difference is, but sometimes the structure that, that structure, you know, really clear, guidelines and rules for people, you know, is it really supportive, can be really supportive at, at first or maybe always. Right. Right. Um, and if it helps you save your life, then that's amazing. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, and so I have to kind of switch over to what I've heard that it works for people, you know, cause it didn't work for me. Right. So I know in some, in some ways, like I had years of what they called abstinence in the food program. Um, but a lot of it for me was, um, I'm doing, I'm being a good girl, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but, but I don't want, you know, I, I saw a lot of what I thought think was spirit was spiritual growth and people and they would say you you have a choice to do this program like you don't have to do this and you know with the continued um sobriety and the tools of the program and not white not like it um so yeah there's the the structure I found really um you know, and again, it's this, it's the same, it's some of the same principles. It, it works best when you have this curiosity and this non-judgment, which can be kind of um, lost when you talk about like, I'm an addict. Well, I'm doing this because I'm an addict. And um, like, it's not like you just shut off those areas of your curiosity. Like you just take that for granted. And in some ways it's kind of a shortcut, like the structure is like, let's make it easy for you. What do you think about that concept now, um, kind of on the other side of that, um, about being good and being an addict and needing to like be good to, I don't know, make up for, for that. Where no matter what program or what path I take, I was going to have to get to the point where I examined why I'm doing things and this idea of the other and how I give my, um, well, let's skip the cliche of giving my power away, but what is that about? Um, um, being the youngest of five and wanting to be seen and wanting love and being a little greedy about it. So really coming into this kind of scary non-Christian place, maybe, well, maybe maybe it's not non-Christian, but of loving myself and honoring the fact that I have this life and I 
it's interesting to have approval and rapport with other people, but that's not the reason I went back. I mean, it's perhaps part of the reason I, I had to medicate to feel that I, there was this, but some people say a God-sized hole, but I think part of it is um, like a self-love. I wanted to skip that part. He talked about like, what did, and it's all like internal, you know, like I, I, you know, did I ruin things? Did I crash cars? Did I, um, you know, flunk out of college? Um, it, more I just look back and I see how I tried to skip loving myself and and being okay with myself I think I forgot your question yeah no I think that whatever (laughs) I kind of forgot it too but whoever it was is well I think you said it. it's like I was asked about you know the idea of of being an addict and needing to make up for it and I think you just answered it with there was nothing to do but to just love myself through all of it yeah and I would see people go come into the the rooms the 12 step rooms and um you know i think it depends on where you're at but uh for me uh, i'm a kind of person who will bring all my dirt forward i think because i want someone else and this is judging myself i want someone to i want a lot of like you're okay and that's okay and let's make that okay and um, some people already went through that phase or they pretend. And so I um, still have the work to do of being curious and loving myself and making choices for myself. So, yeah. Yeah. And do you feel, I mean, do you feel like you're able to do that more now? Yeah. Um, that's my work. I mean, that's um, that's what that's my work. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's probably program speak, but, um, yeah, I think that's actually where the magic happens. And, um, you know, when I, you know, when I just notice like, oh, I'm getting into my story and I can be, then I can be more present and be available for my kids and accept that this is who I am. And I get to do life from here and it's okay. Yes. I love that. I know. I think more and more, I just, you know, I'm just, I, I just recorded another episode about, um, that we have this idea that there's a right way, Mm -hmm. you know, and because we think we're doing it wrong, which is, you know, kind of what you've been expressing, um, that, that, yeah, then we kind of want to like check out because it's too shameful or too much or how and we don't know how to fix it. And it's just, it really is just that. I'm just like, I'm just doing, I'm just doing life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we get, I don't know. I wonder if, um, okay, let's just bring a lot of politics into it. But, um, you know, I was thinking that this morning as I tried to put things in piles off of the floor for the cleaner but um like I, I at one point I said out loud like fail you know f and I had a flashback to when I was in nursing school and you have this test and if you they'll watch you like a hawk 
and you pretend you have a, a patient. And if you cross, if you, you know, touch something with one hand, when your other hand is the sterile hand now, you know, everybody now should be thinking, I want my nurse to not do that. So there are some instances where I, but then I will use that and generalize it to, um, all of life, like, um, might be a little OCD, but it's this constant, like grading and standardized testing of life, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) I know. Well, and I've talked about this so much too, um, on the show and we've probably talked about it. It's like, we're, we are nature before we are culture. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, and that <laughs> is, it's made up, you know, I mean, the narrative, and I always say the narrative would be completely different depending on who, who was right, who was in charge. Right. And so, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Can I say something? Yeah, of course. We went to Disney world. They have this experience. I won't call it a ride because my goodness, it's an experience. And they, so a star Wars and you go in and basically they simulate that you've been captured by the first order. Those are the baddies, right? Mm-hmm. And they're very, all of a sudden it goes from Disney world. They're wearing their ears and they're nice to you, like really nice to first order. And they're not nice to you. And they tell you where to stand and what to do. And I got in my brain all mixed up, I had my seven-year-old son with me. And I like, all of a sudden I'm like, I was distracted. I don't, what was the order now? We're supposed to find a code on here. And like, I would have gotten shot. Like, if <laughs> Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And then like, they're like, could someone help her? And it was just like stress inducing. But at the time, like in the back of my mind, I thought this is really funny. But, um, and I remember offhandedly saying, unfortunately, we would not do well if we were occupied. <laughs> but, mm. but, but I said, I'm sorry. I just, and it was that thought, like, we're not occupied. Right. <laughs> We're not occupied. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, there's, um, and and it it comes back to alcohol too, because it can be so dominant. And I, I mean, I don't, that sounds terrifying, really. (laughs) That experience. Like, I don't want, I've had dreams like that. Like, I don't want that in my experience. No, no one does. Um, But you know, it's, it's kind of, you can get such tunnel vision if mm-hmm. you are, if you are allowing your, you know, your energies and your attention to leak out to these things that like, that aren't actually happening. And, you know, you yes. started this talking about the present moment and the, this, this is where we're safe right here and right now. And so, um, it's, it's really that control of where's my, you know, where's my mind? Where, where am I mm-hmm. placing my thoughts right now? And the, the willingness to, to draw it back. It was relatively easy for you in the beginning to kind of break the habit. So what was, what was it, what do you think was the, the most useful tool that you used kind of at the beginning? And then we can talk about, you know, what are you, what's going on now? Um, to be honest, uh, it was you <laughs> Yay. having, um, having someone that I knew I was going to talk to about this. Um, and a, like a feminine energy, um, really, um, 
it helped me wake up that feminine love nurturing energy in myself mm-hmm. um and had it gave me like a bigger picture um less neurotic um so there was that structure at the beginning and like i'm going to have to tell mary if i ever drink and <laughs> which yeah it's just in my head you know i did tell you cuz i want this to work but um and the mindfulness right away like well um what what's happening for me why is this going on and so a lot of the the like the tools and the structure and this lack of judgment so i couldn't get off on the shame mm. yeah yeah cuz what happens when you do tell me <laughs> <laughs> um there's like no judgment or shame uh is it yeah keep going um it's really interesting and really powerful um yeah so what were you going to say just that it's fascinating that shame can keep us in the cycle you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. this is the thing that I've learned the most for every single topic, regardless, is you cannot shame someone into lasting change. And, you know, you're mostly yourself, you know, right. It's like, right. it's the opposite of, I mean, shame literally doesn't work. And, you know, people, you know, if you're in charge out there, um, just know whether you're a parent or you're whatever, it's like, that is when people feel cornered, like they don't have a choice and they're, you know, love self-love and you've expressed this so much is how we inspire ourselves to, to hold ourselves that there was never a problem to begin with. Mm. And like, it's just the shame perpetuates something that just doesn't even exist. And then the, Mm -hmm. the need for alcohol becomes almost non-existent because if there's no problem, then. Right. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit about what challenges you still face. And I know, you know, with alcohol, cause I know, I know they're pretty few and far between, but what, what shows up for you as like a, a trigger or. Um, you know, uh, when I want to have a good time, when things are supposed to be fun, um, in air quotes, supposed to be fun. <laughs> Um, my idea of fun, um, when I feel like I'm not doing it right, when I'm not doing fun things correctly, um, (laughs) (laughs) when I, um, when I feel like I'm not being social enough or, um, you know, when my, um, when an anxiety, uh, starts to spoil the allotted good time that we are supposed to be having. So that's in some ways it's like the, the, the shifting of gears or something like, um, oh, I'll just take this shortcut. Um, so that's that. So it's more shooting on myself and then not, and then if I don't allow that and have a little curiosity about if it will change, um, if I'm hyper focusing on a feeling, cause they don't last forever. 
but sometimes I think they will, unless I hit it with a sledgehammer of chemicals. Right. Yeah. So, so then, you know, what gets you, what gets you through that? Well, um, it's one minute to the next. Yeah. Um, breathing, changing my focus, um, looking at, and this becomes more automatic, but looking at the emotions, the thoughts, um, and my actions and how they're fueling each other. Like what today it was, um, what is my thought? Oh, this cleaner is going to judge me. And my, what's my emotion? Oh, I feel anxious and angry. And, um, you know, what's the action? Oh, I'm going to, um, be, I'm going to have a victim mindset because my husband's still sleeping. I'm going to, and then the result is I'm going to perpetuate more stress because I'm going to growl at him or I'm going to not say anything because then I'll be a bigger victim, whatever. Okay. (laughs) You know, what's another thought I can have? Like, this is us. This is why I got a cleaner. (laughs) Yeah. I solved the problem. (laughs) Right. And I had that thought too. I was laughing at myself while I was using a grabber nabber, one of those reacher sticks to reach some <laughs> stuff behind the chair. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm making the solution a problem. Mary talked about this. That's yes. hilarious. <laughs> oh, you're doing so awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, the truth is, is the, those thoughts don't go away a hundred percent. I mean, they never will. But, and tell me if you agree with this, it's the, it's the time in between that you continue to let them take, take you for a ride gets short. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then some things do just become less problems because especially with alcohol, the, um, you know, the things that were, were triggers or cues, those start to fade away. It's crazy how, and everyone's different. But um, I didn't know, I didn't, I was really, I was worried because I had done the 12 steps and I, um, I was, I didn't know if I could put it down because mm-hmm. I felt like it was such a part of my life. And um, it was really interesting how it, the actual drinking fell away for me. And I don't want anyone to worry if it takes some time with um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of a great message too, is that it takes time for everyone is different for everyone, but it can be, yeah. would you say that it was a, an unlearning process? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I think a lot of what I had to unlearn was, um, giving that wanting to give that power away. So part of my lesson was, yeah, you put, you don't have to pick up the alcohol, but now you're replacing it with what would Mary think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then in the end, it comes down to what you think, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's such a great distinction. And I didn't really think about that. It's like, no, you're going to be, you know, in some models that it's like, no, this, these cues are always going to haunt you. These triggers will always be there. And that's just not true. Mm, yeah. 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 No. Yeah. It's true. It's so interesting how I really thought that was me now, but of course it's a learned <laughs> behavior, just like anything. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Um, what, what do you think? And, and I think this could kind of even be maybe our last question too, is what would you tell, you know, tell people about even, you know, the value, um, of investing in yourself in all the ways that you've had to invest in yourself through this process. And I mean, it's not just like when you show up for our time together, but what, what has that meant for you and, and to, and for this change? It's like being more human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, it's, you know, again, like coming home to yourself and being able to, uh, being able to grow in a conscious way, um, getting, having a choice again and lots of choices. And it's so much more than not drinking. Um, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's like waking up parts of yourself that you forgot to feel, <laughs> Yeah, you know, why do you think it's been important to do it in, in this setting? Um, well, we talked about how for me, a lot of, I picture like running towards someone with carrying all these problems and, and being like, I just can't do this. And they would say, no, you can't. Okay. We'll help you, but it's going to cost you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas this, it's like, wait, what, what do you, you actually, there's nothing that there you have, you think you have your arms full of what? <laughs> what? Okay. These are illusions. <laughs> um, it's um, so the value it's really been, it's like a step up, you know, like the, the hierarchy of growth and actualization. Um, uh, I get to be my own person. I get to be me. Um, and that's the only person I can be. Um, so, you know, I think as a mother and as a woman now, that was really necessary. Um, I'm growing up in a, a lot of ways, and that's kind of that's kind of judgy. Um, but just having that space to own m- me, own my life, and take responsibility not in or in an organic way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really love that. And, um, you know, and I, I think growing up is an okay thing to say, you know, I mean, it just depends on how it makes you feel when you say it, if it doesn't feel great, but it is kind of, because alcohol, it does, it stunts, you know, it's like this upper limit, you know, in a way. And so it stunts so much mm-hmm, of what, yeah. we, what we even just have access to. I mean, not because you can't, but it's, there, there really is a limit of what you have access to your emotions, your, you know, your embodied feeling, your perspective. I mean, it really puts a, a, a halt to so much of that for so many people. I'm sure there's plenty of people that can, you know, maybe plow through it, but, um, <laughs> but you know, in what, like, why would, you know, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's starting their, this journey and they, they're you and they're listening, they're binging the podcast. What what advice would you give them? Uh, it's worth it. I think anyone, most people 
would, um, you know, see the value of the time invested and the, the actual financial investment as an incredibly good value. Um, it saves it, you know, that's, it's, it doesn't just save your life. It gives you life. It's, it's, it's a trip too. It's like, um, it's a trip, you know, for some people who have experienced psychedelic trips, it's, (laughs) it's like that. It's like, uh, a lot of awakenings and empowering. It's part of your hero's journey. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What a great note to leave on. Thank you so much. If a life of deeper self-mastery and feminine embodiment is calling you, but alcohol is the one constant in your way, I want to invite you to check out my one-on-one coaching program. It's your opportunity to apply the tools and principles from the show to your life one step at a time. Together, we create the safe and sacred container to explore the habit of alcohol, the power of choice, and awaken your inner light. Schedule a complimentary alignment session where I will help you uncover the next best step for you on your journey of discovering what's possible on the other side of alcohol. Follow the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com. I can't wait to connect.